We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Paloma joins me from Pinnacle in Jackson. We'll talk to him momentarily. First, I want to tell you that we're uh, also, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. We're also presented by Twisted Tea. I'll tell you more about Twisted Tea in a moment, but first, uh, Martin Palomo joins from Jackson. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people what's going on at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you all. Indeed, man. We, uh, we are in full swing of of meeting season, man. Um a couple of listeners have reached out, which uh, we're super grateful for. We've been able to work in, you know, meeting with some new folks, um, seeing if it makes sense, seeing if we're a good fit to help people, you know, solve their problems or just have some comfort about where they are. I can't, I guess I say solve problems a lot. Sometimes people don't have problems. They just need some confidence that they're, that they're on the right track and doing the right things and trying to protect you know, what they've worked so hard to save. And, and man, that is, uh, that's where we shine in helping folks with, with the plan, um, you know, putting it on paper, making sure that they know are fully aware, uh, you know, of where they are. And, you know, for folks that are doing the investment piece on their own, um, you know, most folks don't do the planning piece very well on their own. So that's where, uh, you know, that's where we can be of service. And, you know, we are taking, we are, we are taking new clients, um, so if, you know, if I just described you and you're unsure where you are, uh, give us a call 601-957-0323, or you can email us at info at com. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? 
Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team, whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Speaking of uh, days to, um, I guess, prepare for, the leader of Hamas has called for a global day of jihad tomorrow. Um, that's Friday, Martin. His final words in his uh, message. Funds are important, but today we are asking for your blood and souls to, be, a lot. to be sacrificed for Palestine. So It's a lot to ask for. It's the, uh, it's the world that we're living in here as we get together on this Thursday, October the 12th. Um, it's been a depressing week, if I'm honest. I, I, I told you this before we got started. I've had a hard time turning away from it. It bothers me. I, I have this, this uh, foreboding fear that uh, something's coming on American soil. I've, I've thought that for a while. Um, I, you and I've talked about this on this show a lot. It's, it's a financial show, but we talk about politics because politics yep. maybe, maybe drives people's finances more than anything else. Um, we've had an open border basically for the longest time. I mean, that's semantics. If you want to argue it, people can argue it, but it's essentially been an open border. We've, we've watched video of, of just streams of um, illegals. That's what they are. Not judging their humanity, but they're not here legally. Um, stream into our country, mostly young men. We don't know where they're going. When I say we don't, people in the public, we don't know where they're going. Where, where are they going? Uh, what are they doing? How are they? So uh, how how are they feeding themselves? What are they doing for funds? How are they? What are they doing for shelter? Um, what are they doing to clothe themselves, to clean themselves? What are they, what are they doing? I mean, there's, there's life things that we all do each and every day that we take for granted. And, and what are they doing and who's funding those things? Are they, are they getting gainful employment and, and, and therefore taking care of themselves or, uh, is the, is the U S giving them money? Um, and, and if so, how much and, and, and for, in exchange for what, and then you see what happened in Israel. I guess starting Saturday and all that has happened in the days since and the, uh, the call for jihad and uh, we still have uh, the conflict in Ukraine that um, suddenly is getting less attention, which is interesting to me. Yep. It was, it was um, all that anyone could talk about until this. And now this is what we talk about, which makes me wonder if um, what's going on with that. What's going on with the other conflict you know what are we what are we doing here and then um i have this fear based on history because i believe history repeats itself 
And I have this fear, Martin, that based on history, we're, we're, we're sort of due a Pearl Harbor, a 9-11, something to galvanize everyone in a, a passionate, engendered uh, mood of fighting back. And it's scary to me. That's all. That's where I'm, that's where I'm coming from here on this Thursday. I, I will say this. I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope you're wrong too, man. Um, I definitely, and, and being very, being very, uh, being very kind of selfish about it. Um, I mean, I have a 19 year old son that, um, you know, I think if we got into conflict, his, his, uh, his patriotism, which I, I love that about him, uh, his patriotism would probably, you know, put him put him uh as one of the guys that would be saying you know hey i'm not going to stand for this and um you know as a 19 year old boy he probably would say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna fight for my country which i mean i certainly would appreciate but would also have tremendous amount of anxiety um you know if we were to go into conflict because i think christopher wood he's just that kind of kid he's a patriotic kid um you know and and really appreciates this country which is something I really appreciate about him. Uh, he does not, he is not like his, a lot of his peers that, you know, want to bad talk the U S or say the U S is bad. And I think some of that is also because he knows our family story, you know, as well. And has, you know, his, uh, link to our legacy and heritage in the story. Um, but man, it does make me nervous that cause he would, he would be one of the kids. If we, especially if we got attacked, I just imagine he would be one of the kids that says, Hey, I'm going to be the hand raised person and say, I'm in, I'm going to fight, which, you know, there's definitely some pride in that. Uh, I mean, I'd be a proud parent, but I'd also be a very terrified parent at the same time, you know, and I don't have another son. I have one, not that any sons are disposable. Um, but it's kind of, you know, my sister has, my oldest sister has no children. My sister that's my age has three girls. I have two girls. And my younger brother has no children. It's like, does the Palomo legacy, you know, does the name end? And here I am like, you know, being very, I told you I was going to be very selfish. Uh, those are the things that I think about, you know, are we done? And, you know, am I, is, am I willing to sacrifice my child for a country that doesn't seem to care about a lot of the, uh, man, here I am. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say the country doesn't seem to care about what I think about or, or goes against me because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a white male, you know, air quote white male. They look at me as a white male. Um, but you know, I don't, I wonder the, the people that are asking for, I'll say it, I'll probably get torched for this. The people that are asking for equity, if my son goes, your son is too, whether he's a, he, she, they, them, whatever. And, uh, I don't know that may change the, the tune about equity and equality. Oh, I, went I, dark mean, there, dude. I, I mean, you know, we've, <laughs> we've gone the last several years where the whole emphasis in our country, I mean, it's all anybody talks about is diversity, equity, and equality. Is that, I got the right diversity, equity, and inclusion 
inclusion, 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 inclusion. How could I forget? DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. It's funny. Yeah. Get closer to uh, military stuff, and all of a sudden, that, that doesn't matter as much. Yet we've got we've got nut people running our country right now. And I mean, I'm talking both sides of the aisle. I'm going to beat up on a Republican right now. I mean, I mean, Lindsey Graham, disgraceful, disgraceful. I mean, that guy can't get the hell out of office fast enough. I mean, Lindsey Graham, just you listen to him talk. Hey, and it's easy, man. It's easy for, it's easy for someone who never had children. To send other people's children off to die. Probably someone who who has lived a lie the majority of his life as it pertains to his sexuality, um, which is fine by the way. I don't care. I mean, do whatever. You, what you do in your bedroom is of no interest to me. I, I don't. I don't care at all. I, I couldn't care less. So I have no. There's no judgment. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't care who he does or does not sleep with. It just it does not impact me at all, unless it's children, and which would probably make him like half of Congress. So. Um, it's amazing how isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? The government, here's the amazing thing of a sidetrack. The government can find obscure people who walked into the Capitol on January 6th. Yep. They can find them. But they can't find Jeffrey Epstein's logs. It's a hell of a that is, <laughs> is amazing to me. That is Dude. amazing to me. They oh, can track down obscure. We all know people. we all know what's what's really up there. Of course we do. But you get my point. We got to yeah, no, 100%. We, we, have to, we have to pretend that we don't. Yeah, we have to live every day like we like we pretend that we don't. We have to but play you know, along with all the silliness. But but Lindsey Graham, Republican, South Carolina, Lindsey Graham's ready to go invade Iran. He he's ready to take them on, boy. We're gonna blow up their oil refineries. All right, Lindsey. So when we go to Iran, who who are we taking over there? Yeah, we taking the we we taking the diversity police or what are we doing? What I mean, who who are we? Who are we taking over there to fight that fight? Do you think he they, he thinks he? I'm not defending him by any stretch of imagination. I'm just saying, do you think he he thinks it would be drone strikes versus like hand to hand combat? I mean, maybe. But why this 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 bloodthirst for war among yeah. people? I don't I don't really know what it's about. Well, like, and generally I mean, speaking, I'm I'm I'm. I'm I, I have listened to the debate between Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro, right, over the course of this week, and it's interesting. They both. I have, I have not, so well, I don't have a frame of reference. For Shapiro you. is, is of course, uh, you know, he's Jewish. He's very, very upset about what's going on in Israel, as he should be, as we all are. Carlson is a bit more of a pragmatist, and he's essentially saying, "Hey, before we go racing over there and getting involved in yet another conflict, we need to take care of America." We've got problems at home that are just, they're, they're right here. We've got to deal with these issues and we got to take care of our house first. Yeah. I mean, uh, I kind of agree with that though, because you got to have your stuff. How, if we're, if we're crippled and broken and how, how are we supposed to help other people when we can't help ourselves? I mean, that's kind of like when you get on the airplane and they say, hey, in the event that, you know, you need an oxygen mask, secure the mask on yourself first before helping others. It's like, yeah, you need to make sure that you can survive and be and and be alive before you help other people. And I agree, man. I think that we have just shot money out of the money cannon um, 
you know, to, to support everybody else. And I'm not saying that we should go, you know, completely salt from pepper and say, we support no one, but man, I, I do, I do feel like we need to get our, our proverbial shit together, uh, before we go saving the world, which we don't have, you know, I mean, I think back in the fifties and sixties, we kind of did have our shit together or the forties, you know, we kind of did have our shit together and, but our shit is not together now. No, I'm sure there were problems in the forties and fifties and sixties too. I was just, well, we're jumping around. I didn't live it. We're jumping around a little bit and that's okay. It's, I've had people saying, Hey, you guys are going to record this week, right? I just want to hear your thoughts. So it was kind of just off the cuff thoughts. I think one of the things that's coming home to roost a little bit right now in this country is that we've gone so many years in a row where we've been lied to as citizens. And now it feels like we're coming closer to a moment where the government is going to, and this is, this is all of them. Okay. This is not just Biden. I'm, I'm going back years where the government is about to say, Hey, look, we've, we've got to answer the call. We've got to do what America does. We've got to answer the call. This is going to be painful. It's going to be hard, but this is what we do. There's going to be sacrifice. It feels like that's what's coming. And I'm like, my, my, my thought process on that is you guys have lied to us so much over the last several years. I don't believe you. I, I, I think you're manipulating. Mm-hmm. You lied about Russian interference. Turns out there was no Russian interference. You lied about the steel dossier. Turns out it was kind of a, it was made up you you lied about covid you knew you lied about covid when you lied about covid you lied about covid cost a lot of people their 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 jobs their businesses um it was a lie yeah it was a virus it was made in a lab in china you knew that you lied about that you rushed a vaccine lied about its efficacy it did damage. You knew it was doing damage. You lied about it anyway. Why? For Pfizer, Moderna to make gazillions of dollars. You, you, you've, you've lied and you've lied and you've lied. And now you're like, hey, you got to believe us. Here's the newsflash. I don't. Do you believe them? Do you, do you trust the words that come out of Washington? I'm not just saying on one side of the aisle. On either side of the aisle, do you believe these people? I don't. No, and, and, man, I, I've been... Um, this is a relevant comment, but it's a little bit of a around the world comment. I've been, I've been reading a whole lot lately. I'm in a book club, which has also forced me to read a whole lot more, but it's mostly on uh, a lot of his leadership stuff and a little bit of fiction, but my wife reads every day, man. She almost kills a book a day, which is, is incredible. I had to move her to the Kindle unlimited subscription because she was murdering me at Barnes and Noble. Anyway, all that to say, I read a book. It's a trilogy. I'm in the second second book now, which is the prequel, and it's kind of a it's a post post apocalyptic book, um, and it's about all these people. There's a show on Apple TV about it called Silo. All these people that live in these underground bunkers uh, or live in an underground bunker, and um, anyway, so the prequel is actually telling the story of how they got to the underground bunker part, and it is everything to do with politics in Washington and, you know, and, and lies that were told, uh, you know, that came into fruition 
uh and you know and it's and it's really about not government conspiracy but government dishonesty and dude and it's kind of you know as we're talking about this there's a lot of common themes from the book that are you know you're talking about the covid was yes it was a real virus true but there was a lot of damage done um from things that were said that were unnecessary we didn't have to lock down and we knew it uh, Correct. To say we the government the government knew we did not have to lock down we did not have to lock down uh it was not necessary it was completely completely unnecessary and yet we did anyway we could have used covid as an opportunity to tell people that hey you really need to focus on your physical health on health absolutely you need to, man. You need to exercise we didn't do that because we have a we have a uh, we have corrupt, a pill for it we have a corrupt food system in our country we do we have a corrupt food system in our country we there were medicines that worked against covid that if you said that out loud you were you were canceled you were blackballed because why those medicines were cheap and they wanted this this vaccine to roll out because it was a a billion multi-billion dollar way for Pfizer and Moderna and these companies to make an absolute pardon my French here shit ton of money in a short period of time and get people more and more hooked on the viruses. They booster, hey, let's have another booster. Notice we were going to have another booster rollout. That's kind of gone away because the polling data on that is, hey, nobody believes you anymore. Yeah, so we're no so, one's getting it. Yeah, I mean. Our select few will get it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers comes out the other day and just absolutely calls out um, um, Fauci. And there's there's no pushback on Rodgers. Two years ago, that would have been the end of Aaron Rodgers. He would have, he would have gone away. He'd have been canceled, yeah. And now people are, are fighting back. I mean, so so we have, but but COVID was completely unnecessary. We didn't have to shut schools down. We didn't have to shut colleges down. We didn't. We didn't have to do the, the mask didn't work. Everyone knew the mask didn't work, but the mask became a uniform for the for the far left. It became this galvanizing thing for these people on the far left to feel good about themselves and be virtuous. And, and you, if your if your store enforced a mask mandate, it meant that you, you quote cared in quote, that's what it meant. And yeah, I'm still mad about it. I'll always be mad about it. It was dumb. It was completely unnecessary. The whole PPP thing and all the stuff that we did to throw money at people that completely screwed our economy for decades to come. And that was on Trump, by the way. The, the Operation Warp Speed, totally on Trump. So anybody thinks I'm bashing Biden here, yes, I get to Biden. Biden takes over in 2021, and he doubles down because that was yep. the virtuous thing to do to show that he cared, to wear his little mask everywhere and take his mask off and put his mask back on and make a scene out of getting a booster and whatnot. Nobody was ever honest with the American public. And so now, in October of 2023, I have a feeling they're about to ask us to trust them. My answer is no, I don't trust you. I don't trust you as far as I could throw you. I don't, I don't trust you as far as I could spit on you. I just saw this thing about there's this uh, category five cyclone thing out in the, in the South Pacific. It's going nowhere. It's not going to hit anything. Thank God. But I mean, the joke was that I saw several people do is, Hey, is there any way y'all can just send that to Congress? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I was like, I laughed at that. It's like, yeah, I mean, what we need is a total reset in our country. We need a, it's obvious, it's so obvious today that we need a total reset of government, of culture, of everything. We need a reset. It's not going to come. And this is where people get to the whole end of an empire thing. And they point out that at the end of, you know, the Roman empire, at the end of other uh, prominent empires, there was a, 
obsession with gender. We have that obsession with gender in our country that's sort of out of the blue. It's where's this come from? What's it about? I mean, you know, we, we're doing all these things. And yeah, I mean, I, I know we're just kind of rambling, but this is where we are. And then we look across at, at, at this, this mass genocide in Israel. And we have people in America at Harvard, at Harvard, right? With You know, you think elite academic institutions, Harvard's like on the tip of your tongue. 100%. If I say, hey, tell me elite college basketball programs, you go Kentucky. Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. If I say elite American academic institutions, you go over Yale. Yale. At Harvard. At Harvard. Stanford. The, the Harvard Law students were publicly celebrating the largest Jewish genocide since the Nazis. And now that some of them are being canceled, oh, they're, they're oh, please forgive us. No. You're the same people that went hunting down tweets from people when they were teenagers as a way to cancel them. And then you all, as law students, celebrate what happened in, in southern Israel on Saturday and Sunday? No, man, screw off. You showed your colors. Yeah, true. It's, it's time for people to go, nope, I'm, you're, you're on that side, and I'm on this side. And that's where we are. This whole let's come together for a common goal, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I don't remember us being, <clears throat> you know, and I was I was high school age, but I don't remember us being as divided pre 911 as we are now and you may say hey dude uh you know you had you had the lens of a of a teenage boy and you know I was a little older and a little more aware and you may say there was a lot of divide but I just don't remember our country being you know as divided uh you know late 90s early 2000s as we are now so I think it'll be harder for us to have a a come together um I don't know, man. I hope, uh, I hope none of this really festers, um, you know, kind of, this is going to sound really flippant and dismissive and I don't mean it to sound this way, but the, I mean, a war, a war in, you know, against the Israelis and the Palestinians is, is a religious war. Uh, it is not a war of resources and, um, you know, when, I think when in religious wars, my opinion is those can certainly go on a whole lot longer than a war of resources because people are battling for something bigger than themselves, greater than themselves. It's not about oil in the ground or natural gas that's that's under the ground. Uh, you know, and generally speaking, this is going to sound dismissive of it. Uh, I can't imagine that a conflict in Israel it's going to disrupt markets as much because it's there's no resources to be had there. And I know that sounds awful to say that. I mean, I was a little, you know, and, and I was wrong. I will say it. I'll admit it. I was wrong. I didn't think that the Ukraine and Russia conflict was going to have much of an impact on the economy uh, or markets because there really wasn't a whole lot of resources we were vying for there, although there's significantly more resources in Ukraine uh, with natural gas and, you know, and then a lot of other natural resources than there are in, in Israel and in the Palestinian area. But 
um, you know, kind of just pulling tie into the, the financial aspect of it. I don't, I don't know that we're going to see much of a impact to markets. There'll probably, there will be a humanitarian impact. That'll be much bigger than, than the market impact. Now, if this thing does end up going to blows, let's just play this tape all the way to the end. Let's say that the U S gets involved, you know, then Iran steps in and says, Hey, we're going to be super involved. And then, you know, if a Russia, China comes and backs Iran, although from a religious standpoint would seem a little contradictory, but from a, you know, like the terrorist mission for 9-11 was just kill as many Americans as possible. Decentralized well, the, the, command. The that's why they were for, so. The Saudis, for example, are not going to side with Iran. They, they, that's not going to happen. Um, Right. You know, I, I don't. It just, the only, the, the Russia, China. The Russians, the Russians the, watch this with, the Russians watch this with, with great interest. I'm sure. I'm sure they love to watch. The American infighting. It's what they've always hoped. They have always hoped that, I mean, Russia's always known that it can't defeat the United States. It can help the United States defeat itself. China does the same thing. I mean, it's, it's talked about all the yeah. time. I mean, China, you and I've talked about this. The experience that an American 15-year-old boy has on TikTok is completely different than the experience that a 15-year-old Chinese boy has on TikTok. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that's deliberate. Yeah. It's not a conspiracy. That's deliberate. We know that. Well, I think, dude, I think the end game for. As my friend Josh Henderson says all the time, and he's right. This is, this is the bottom line. He says this all the time. He's the chair of economics at Ole Miss. We have a show every two weeks called the Josh Hendrickson show. You should listen to it on MPW. It's really, really good. Josh is terrific. He's the smartest person I know. Hell, he's smarter than Martin, who is extremely smart. Like if you're doing Thanks, the scaling, Martin's like way up there and Josh is even higher. And if you listen to him, he just says all the time, 
Ours is an unserious country. Ours is an unserious country. Yeah. He's not wrong about that. He's not wrong. And when you look at all of the things that we talk about and we deal with, and we literally at the highest levels have conversations. We just literally got through. Dianne Feinstein died at the age of 207. And the governor of, of California, who's a likely future presidential candidate said that he was going to fill that seat at least temporarily with a black female think about that for a moment think about that for a moment what does that say it immediately cheapens the accomplishment of said black female sure because now the only reason that you got this position is because of your race and your sex and your gender. Not, yep. Not your merit, not your merit. The, it, it, the, the, the better thing for him to have done would be to not have said that. Yeah. And just say, Hey, this is the best woman for the job. And then named a, uh, th- this particular woman who happens to be black for a Senate seat that would have, but, but he couldn't do that. Why? Because we live in a country now where you must score virtue points. True. Why is Joe Biden in the political mess that he's in? Well, I mean, he he named Kamala Harris as his running mate as a concession to members of Congress because of her color, because of her gender, not because of her political accomplishments, not because of her ability to, to galvanize the American public. And now because of identity politics, Joe Biden is is in a absolute uh, neck and neck race for a reelection and he can't do one of the things that would make sense for him to do. And that is to replace her on the ticket because it would, it would alienate the the people who uh, associate with identity politics, which is a massive number in our country. We're not voting for someone because we think he or she is the right person to lead us through a storm to govern the country. We vote for somebody because, well, they, they, they're, they're a certain ethnicity or they're a certain sex or whatever. I mean, the whole Hillary Clinton thing goes all the way back to 2016. Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. Terrible candidate. Everybody knew she was a terrible candidate. There were other candidates who would have been better candidates. Yeah. But they ran her because she was going to be the one to shatter the glass ceiling. Our country has bigger issues. Than, our, our country has bigger issues than glass ceilings. But we we refuse to talk about it because we're not a serious country. We can't have a conversation about meritocracy. Can you imagine if I told you, "Hey, Martin, you got to put a football team together, bud." But listen, you got to do this in a diverse way. All right, you 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 got to make sure that you've got. I can't look in a position room. I can't go into your wide receiver room, Martin, and see nothing but African Americans. Martin, I can't walk into your quarterback room and see nothing but but Caucasians. I can't walk into your offensive line room and see nothing but white guys. Oh, by the way, Martin, we need there needs to be some diversity here. What is your situation with with um with gays? Do you have any gay players? Uh, what about trans? You have any trans players? We we we're going to need that on your football team, Martin. You're going to at some point kind of start scratching your head a little bit, looking at the guy, and go, hey, hey, look, you want me to win or not? Yep, that was actually, that was actually what I was going to say too. Is like, well, has the purpose changed from winning to doing what you tell me to do? Do you want me to win or not? Right. It's why 
a lot of people, self-included, still love sports. It's yeah. the last meritocracy. Yeah, and I mean, that's why you don't see, I mean, straight up, you don't see white guys playing defensive back. You really don't see very many wide receivers that are white. They're not uh, many. There's some, but yeah. not many. But if I told you, hey, look, I didn't tell you you can't have a white wide receiver. No, I didn't say that at all. I mean, there, there, there are great white, white wide receivers. But sure. let's be real, there aren't as many as there are great black wide receivers. Right, correct. I'm not getting into any reasons for that. It's just a statement of fact. You look around the NFL today and say, tell me the top wide receivers in the game. Well, it's Jamar Chase. It's Justin Jefferson. It's, it's the list goes on. And, 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 and they're African-American guys. It's fine. No one watches football and goes, oh, man, you know what I really hate about this game is there just aren't enough white wide receivers. Nobody does that. Nobody, Christian McCaffrey has proven himself as an elite running back. Yeah. Nobody ever goes, well, he's a good yeah. running back for a white guy. Used yeah. to be there was a time when, you know, there was like a, we, we wondered if, if we were racist against black guys playing quarterback. We probably were at, at, at a time. We're not anymore. You no. look around the NFL, there's, there's, there's lots of black quarterbacks. Nobody, but nobody watches Lamar Jackson and goes, you know, he's good for a black guy. No, no, he's just good. He's good. Yeah. Nobody watches Patrick Mahomes and goes, you know, he might be the greatest black quarterback of all time. No. People look at him and go, yeah, that dude might be the greatest quarterback of all time. It's what makes sports awesome. Yep. We don't do that. We don't do that. Nobody, Chet Holmgren is making his uh, NBA debut this, this month. I uh, missed last season with the, with the foot injury. He's seven foot one. Uh, he can dribble. He can do all these things. He's super skinny. And then you see him make plays and you're like, this dude's good. NBA guys are like, this dude, he's pretty good now. This dude, he's got, we watch, I'm watching him. They don't go, hey, I'm watching him as a white guy. No, they just watch him in the same way that I don't ever go, you know, Kevin Durant, that dude can really score for a black guy. We, but we do this. We don't do that in sports. And it's what makes sports awesome. Correct. Yet we do it in every other walk of life. And I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't get it. Why we do the, well, we, we really need to make sure that we have, this representation and this representation. Why, why don't we just strive for excellence like we did back in the day? It's just, and wherever yeah. that is, it is. That's where, as a country, we're screwed up. Because I have a feeling in China, in Japan, in these countries, Germany, I have a feeling in some of these places, that's not, when they're working on the latest engineering thing, it's not, hey, are we sure we're diverse enough? I have a feeling that's not what comes up. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't, know. I, just, I have that. I have no, that I would say the countries you named, I would say that's probably true. Germany, no, I wouldn't expect that. If you said France, I would say probably there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some of that in France. But, uh, you know, that that's also, I don't know, man. There is There is a lot that is wrong with the U.S. And then there's so much that's right. And all the stuff that's right has nothing to do with government. And it's the it's the only place in the world where, you know, people are beating down the doors to get in here to get in here, uh, because it's it is a place where you can make something of yourself. You know, you can have, you can be a nobody, and become a somebody, or you can have nothing, and then and then make something out of yourself. And and it's not even an education issue. It's really a how hard are you willing to work? You know, how hard are you willing to pour your blood, sweat, and tears into something to, to make it. Um, 
you know, and I think that a lot of American citizens take that for granted. You know, that's where we get into the, well, yes, but you need to have uh, a mix of people on your board or you need to have, you know, enough certain females or, you know, uh, people of different, you know, ethnic backgrounds or, you know, sexual gender identity backgrounds. And truth of the matter is, is, I mean, I think business is so much like sports, at least small businesses, maybe at it, the, it, uh, you know, large businesses where you have all these governance rules for who needs to be on corporate boards and all that, you, you, you start getting into that. But if you look at small business, you know, most of the people who live in your community, I mean, we want to build, you know, I want to build a, a dynasty team. I want to be Alabama football in financial planning. You know, I want the best to come here, not because they're white or black or male or female or Mexican or Cuban or Hispanic or gay or what. I mean, I don't, you can be a gay black female for all I care. And if you do a good job of taking care of clients and you can bring business in, I don't care. I want, I want meritocracy. I want all-stars on my team. You see that in small business. Of course. But large in your big publicly traded companies, that's where the government has really, you know, stepped into and made their presence known. Because, you know, they have all these diversity issues with boards. And, you know, I've finished reading a book in my my book club, and it's called The Outsiders CEOs. Um, It's uh, by a dude named William Thorndike. And, man, he described these really incredible leaders. He took eight companies and looked at them and benchmarked them against like uh, the S and P 500. And then from a management standpoint um, against GE and talked about how they beat, you know, um, all of their benchmarks significantly. And a lot of them had very similar uh, person or um, culture types, which was, you know, decentralized command. It was a meritocracy. They wanted the best, on their team and they wanted those people to run their divisions or the parts of the business that they were responsible for without any interference. That's why they hired them because they were the best. And then the CEO would make all of the capital allocation decisions on where profits were going to be, be allocated. And they were, and they're all-star companies. One of them is Berkshire Hathaway, which probably most of our listeners are familiar with Warren Buffett and what he's done him and Charlie Munger. Uh, But you know, but it is, it's the, they're, they want to be the best. They don't care what you look like. They just want you to perform on the field and get results, score touchdowns just in the business world. Yeah. It's, I, this is, I, I think we're getting ready to pay the price, Martin. I think this is my point. You're making the point too. I think as we start to sort of put it all together, right? I, I think we're getting ready to pay the price for being unserious. All these years. Yeah. You know, you well, run your you run your football team that way. Like, hey, you know, there's this running back that I really liked, but we had to add a white guy. <laughs> we just did. That's what we had to do. Um Dude, do you uh there was a there was an offensive tackle that we really liked, but it was kind of time for us to add a trans guy. And so the bottom line is we're not very good right now, and the schedule just got hard. And what do y'all want? You want us to win? I'm, because you wanted all these other things, and now you're saying, no, no, we want you to win. Well, if you had told me that in the first damn place, I would have added that offensive tackle, and the running back that I was telling you about, he'd be out there right now. 
But I don't have that because you said you wanted these other things. Yep. And so now you're telling me you want us to win. And the truth is we can't win. So we got these games coming up that we're going to lose. And you yep. just get to sit there in the stands and suffer through it and think about it a little bit and go, moving forward, do we want to keep doing this thing or do we want to win? Yeah. Because I mean, dude, and war then, and football and, and, and are just, not very different. And so just to fit, yeah, to make that point, the difference is this. In football, when your team loses, everybody walks off the field. Correct. They go to the locker room. They go to the locker room. They change. I mean, I've watched it. I've covered college football for a quarter century. They they go to the locker room. They change clothes. They come out. They are handed a a meal to get on the bus. Yep. Um, They go over and visit with their moms and dads and girlfriends and, and friends and whatnot. Grandma's there, whatever. Take a couple of pictures. And someone goes, hey, inevitably. You sure did play hard. Good job. You hey y'all y'all have a, I mean I, I'll give you an example. I covered Ole Miss in Arkansas last week. A uh, girl that I went to high school with, her uh, her father was a legend in in Ruston. His name was uh, Billy Belding. They called him Doc. Everyone called him Doc. He was kind of the athletics trainer for Ruston High School for a long time. Before that, he was the athletics trainer at Louisiana Tech. He was a, a history teacher. He was great, man. He was one of those guys that um, everybody loved. Everybody loved. He coached track, girls track. The girls loved him. They did. They loved him. He coached, uh, co- I, I remember right, he coached some tennis. And people just loved the guy. He was just a fantastic person. And in football, he was the guy that would wrap ankles and he was one of the people to come out and look at stuff. And he, you know, helped us get ready. And, but for the most part, what he was, was just this, just great guy. It was kind of like everybody's dad, funny, tell jokes, cared about you. You knew he cared about you. Um, and anyway, his daughter is in my, my class and his grandson is a freshman linebacker at Arkansas, uh, kid from texas and uh i saw him on the field after the game i made a point to reach out to him and yeah. I, his name's carson i said hey i just want to introduce myself I, I grew up with your mom she's awesome uh, i know your grandfather recently passed away i just wanted you to know that um a lot of people are thinking about you and your family and and, and he doc was awesome everybody loved doc you were fortunate to have doc as your grandfather and it meant something to the kid, right? He had just lost a game. It was their fourth loss in a row. And his mother, Deanne, reached out to me later that night. Hey, thank you for re- for talking to Carson. That was really sweet, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, you know, sure would be nice for us to get a win. We're going to get one soon. We're going to get a win soon, right? And I thought about that. You're coming off the field. You lost a game. But, hey, good. try again next week. They're going to try again tomorrow right. or, or Saturday against Alabama. And then nine days, seven days from that, they'll try again at home against Mississippi State. They get to keep trying. But war is different. You you don't get to keep trying. Nope. nope. You don't respawn whenever you die. Yep. You know, I mean, it's – I mean, it's, I, and I agree with I agree with you in that regard. And, you know, and I know that I think a lot of our obsession with football especially – is it is like modern day gladiators. It's modern day warfare, but in a very, the stakes are really, really low, relatively speaking. Um, but, you know, one of the things that uh, you said that I think was 100% true is 
you know, when the coach uh, isn't being serious or taking it serious, you know, the results are not positive. But, uh, you know, if that's the war, if we're in war and, and coach is not being serious and taking it serious, then, you know, there's a lot of casualties uh, to the to the to the lack of of I mean I don't know I'm gonna call it manliness and that may be people may hit me for that and saying oh it's toxic masculinity but dude this there that cycle is true man of you know uh strong men you know get us out of hard times and make and bring good times and good times you know kind of breed weak men and weak men breed yes. hard times and yes. Here we Dude, are. and that is where we are is we are in a we are in weak man mode and uh, i know that people will try to make something out of that and i'm just saying you know toxic masculinity whatever you want to call it um world war ii we were not weak men and no. we brought peacetime no you're right um there's i've said this before i mean our generation our parents grew up with Vietnam. Our grandparents grew up with World War II. They wanted us to not grow up with it. And for the most part, we didn't. I mean, there were some that went and fought in Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff like that. But for the most part, like, you know, the 80s were pretty, 80s were pretty easy to grow up in. They really were. Look back, it was kind of yeah. idyllic. Maybe the nineties too. I don't remember. I was in my twenties. I was just working, but probably pretty easy time to grow up in and a little harder now, a lot harder now. And yeah, you know, maybe that's on, that's on us as parents. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, I know as we wrap a little bit, this was the, uh, this is the end of, um, national Hispanic heritage month, which ends in the middle of the month, which is a weird time to do that. But a month is, is a month. We were an afterthought, man. 15th to the 15th is still a month, even though that's not a yeah. month, if you will. We don't get the month of February. I know that means a lot to you, given uh, your Cuban heritage. Yeah. Uh, it does, man. I mean, and I guess that's, it's funny. I reposted on the, on the Pinnacle uh, Facebook page, um, Allison Muirhead captured my captured my family story really really well she did the writing it wasn't me that, that wrote it she did the writing and it popped up um it's it's awful i'd kind of have we've been busy doing stuff and i was traveling with my wife for her business for a conference and i'd kind of forgotten that it was you know hispanic heritage month you know there's not a lot of of uh you know a lot of media coverage or whatnot for spend that and that doesn't bother me i don't, I don't I don't care. I don't need to be, nothing special needs to happen, but it did kind of bring up the, you know, the thinking of, you know, the family story and the legacy and where we came from. And, and my daughter actually is the one that reposted it. It's she's the one that restarted all, all this thinking, you know, thinking about it again. And that was, man, I kind of think about relative to what we were talking about, right. You know, for the show, you know, my dad's family uh, were very wealthy in Cuba. They had a, 7,000 acre sugarcane plantation. Um, dad was educated Catholic boarding schools, multilingual shooting. He spoke five languages, man. Um, very, very smart, well-to-do family. And they were on the wrong side politically. They were, my grandfather was a Batista aristocrat 
And in 59, Castro, you know, overthrew the Batista government and, uh, and seized uh, their bank accounts and all of their property. And, and, you know, they were rich in Cuba and they came to Miami, you know, in 1959, 1960, like, like a lot of Cuban refugees did. And I had to start all over. And, you know, my dad, he came with, um, with his parents and with his family, his sister and, uh, and man, he started building. Um, and in America, he was able to do it in one generation. You know, he came here with, with nothing for him. My grandfather had a little bit of money that supported him for the rest of his life. But, um, you know, dad started at zero and started building a business man and built a really successful business. And, um, long story short, you know, I know I've told my story here and we're, we're definitely on the back end of, of time. So I'll be, I'll be quick, but one of the reasons that I'm in the business that I'm in is because of our family story. You know, my dad, uh, yeah. my dad had a business and, you know, he was young. His business was in South Florida. Um, and my mom didn't, you know, my mom worked, but she didn't really, she did it. She worked to have insurance. She worked at a hospital and medical records. And, um, anyway, 94 dad's on the way to a business meeting and he and his business partner are killed in an accident. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't planned for mom and dad were young. I don't think they had ever talked with anyone like me to help them, you know, plan for risks. And so anyway, we had a physical death and we also had a financial death. Uh, you know, we lost mom became partners of businesses. She didn't understand. There was no life insurance. Um, you know, we had to start over and we did lose. We had, to, we went through a bankruptcy, went through foreclosure, um, a couple of years later, just mom trying to hang on to everything. And she just couldn't, man, she didn't, she couldn't command enough income to, to maintain our standard of living. Um, but long story short, it wasn't until college till when I got to Millsaps and did an internship that I realized that, you know, uh, they could, we could have avoided a financial death, not the physical death, but a financial death. And man, that's kind of what put me on the path to, you know, that not kind of, it is what put me on the path to doing what I do today and helping people not experience that type of loss in their family or put their wife, um, or their husband through, you know, that type of, um, you know, trauma, financial trauma of losing a house or going through a bankruptcy on things that can easily be avoided. So it's kind of weird, man. It's like, yeah, it's Hispanic heritage month and I get to think about my family, but, um, that story has a lot of tragedy in it, even from the Cuban, uh, part of losing everything. They had a financial death in Cuba. Uh, and then, you know, they come to America, my dad builds this great business and then has another financial death. Uh, I couldn't have planned for the Cuban death. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's out of my government control. Well, I guess I could vote, but well, Castro, there's no way I could have, you know, you can avoid, you know, a dictatorship, but. Um, they definitely could have avoided the financial death. And, but you know, um, to, for, for you, I mean, nobody gave you the path out of that tragedy. No. Where you got, and you, you, no. did, you did it with ingenuity. You did it with work. You did it with, uh, effort. You, yeah. you, you had to, you had to pay your dues. Um, that's true, man. I you mean, had to, you had to do it through grief. Um, I know you probably to this day still miss your father. 
Oh, absolutely, um, man. You know, and he's not there. He's not there to give you guidance. He's not there to he's only there in a memory form to give you um inspiration. Yeah. Which is powerful. I mean, but it's not as powerful as what you you probably would trade a lot to physically have him sitting there next to you drinking a a a, a, a drinking, drinking a yep. rum and 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 talking drinking to some about, human coffee. Yeah, about life. Um no, dude, hundred percent. I mean, on, those you are that on your own, and those are that is your, yours is yours is an an amazing success story. It's it, it it's like the phoenix rising from the ashes type of story, and it's it's frankly what America was kind of built on. Yes, people like you, honestly. Well, you know, I, I mean, the whole that. the whole. Well, it's true though. It's true. It's and it it ties it dovetails with what we started with. Yep. Um your family came here from a different place and, and grateful to be here and not only grateful, but I mean, they, I would dare say we're pretty damn patriotic. Like uh, loved, very loved America. Um, we, we're, we're, we've gotten away from that. We, we have a generation now of, of people who, who don't in large part, not their fault. It's, it's because it's not taught really. Right. They don't really, appreciate america they don't really respect america they 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 think they hate america until they don't um, well and you know from a political standpoint not trying to drag my dad's family into politics uh but like if you ask my my aunt who's still living my dad's sister what her political leanings are and she's going to tell you she is very conservative because she's experienced what you know socialism air quote socialism uh did and and it is not there is no equality the only the only person that wins in, in socialism is the dictator and you know and i think a lot of people think hispanics would be um you know very very liberal uh and left and and a lot are not because they've experienced what very liberal politics does to a country you're not just in cuba man i mean ask should ask anyone that's colombian or venezuelan yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm not one to condemn people for political thought. They they have their thoughts. I, I think they're That's wrong, right. and I think history shows they're wrong. But, um, Yeah, it's, it's just hard. And I know, you know, I think people are, are politically where they are because of their life experience, and that's okay. That's fine, and that's my life experience too. It's like, yeah, I didn't get booted from Cuba, but I've experienced all of that through – the family story and it's just really hard i'd almost feel like i'm kicking my dad's family right between the legs if i were to support communism you know it's like everything all of the stuff they went through um with communism it uh was not it was not good for our family it would be a a slap in their face to you know have their eldest son say you know what i think that castro was right and you guys did need to share the wealth and share everything that you had but it totally it totally does dis uh disincentivize um you know people to grow and build things in a socialistic environment or a communistic environment it doesn't work yeah well hopefully the next time that we get together um by the way i need to either tape earlier next week or punt next week i'm going to be gone well no, i take that back 
I can I can tape Thursday morning. Uh, I need to I need to be out of town. I need to get out by noon. So we're if you're good Thursday at our regular time, I'm good. I think so, man. We're doing. I think okay, so. Check. We're doing this on the online. <laughs> this is what we do. Yep. This is kind of what we do. Yeah, I'll circle back to you. Okay, we'll uh, we'll figure out something for next week. Um, I'm I'm driving next Thursday afternoon, so I'll be out of pocket. A good part of Thursday and then Friday as well. But uh, anyway, we'll appreciate everyone being here. Next time we get together, whenever that is, hopefully we're having a more pleasant conversation. <laughs> I suspect that we're not. But you know what? Uh, it's a real, it's a real, it's a real conversation. It's a real conversation. It's a conversation that I think people need to have. It's a conversation that I think people, smart people are having. You, uh, you can't keep running up the debt. And I, I mean this in a figurative way. You can't keep running up your credit card and just run it up and run it up and run it up and run it up with the strategy of, yeah, I'm just going to run it up some more. No, there comes a point where the the, the balance hits and you got to make a payment. Yep. And, and Amex says no more. Amex says no more. And it feels like that's kind of where we are as a, as a society. We were getting to a place where the, 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 the lending company is going no more. You, you've created this mess and now it's time to start paying the bill. And that's right. And that is not fun and it sucks. And hopefully it is, um, Hopefully it is not as painful as I fear that it may be for our country. That's my hope. My, my hope is that we rise from the ashes a little bit here, like your story. Um, maybe you'll be the the beacon of hope for all of us. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I, um, I don't know that I could ever be in politics, man. I think uh, my mother has, uh, with her posts on <laughs> social media, has barred me from ever being able to run for any political office. Which is a shame, honestly. Uh, not that you'd want to go into politics, but it's a shame that that people who are just kind of honest and, and and are sort of frank can't go into politics. You have to be hell. I don't know. I mean, I've said I don't this, either. Dude. I've said this so many times, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you look at 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 the guy that's in the White House now, and the guy that's the most likely challenger to him, and go, that's it. That's the best it, we got, man. That's it. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's not the best we have. It's, it's the, the people who, and I guess it's true. Like the people who, the people that should be in power are the are the ones that don't want it. The people that are in power are the ones that, that want it, and it's they should not be in power. Yeah. Um. Again, it's mypinwealth.com. Get in touch with the people there at uh, at Pinnacle. Uh, you you now know when you call them that they're real people who are aware of what's going on in the real world, and they can help you if you think you need help or you think you might need help. And that's the key thing. If you think you yeah. might need some guidance with your uh, retirement planning, your financial planning, just give get get in touch with Martin and them. Have a conversation and see where it goes from there. It's uh, mypinwealth.com. M Y P I N N wealth.com for Martin Palomo. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Until next time, take care.